We can leave your friends behind Cause your friends don't dance And if they don't dance Well, they're no friends of mine Say, we can go where we want to Welcome to the Extra Podcast. This is episode number 250. 250. 250. This is a big one. Is it? Mm. Yeah. It's, it's 250. The, it's the quarter thousand. That's right. Wow. We're almost there, guys. <laughs> We're almost there. We can do it. Don't Seriously, on television, don't they have like a big thing if you have 100 shows and then... But we've gone to 250. Take that, television. Every, every 100 Boom. shows, we film it. And we have food, and it's a big ordeal. Every 50 shows... We're open to having food every 50 shows. Yeah. But. I'm open to having food every show, actually. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm Greg. I'm hosting the <laughs> podcast today. Uh, I'm, I, I was told, actually, Paul Siemens was told mm. by someone in our church that their kids prefer my hosting because my voice is easy to fall asleep to. So yeah. there you go. Isn't that encouraging? Yeah. So if you're listening to this fast family, Kids. this is this is for you guys. I actually had somebody email me the other day and told me, "Hey Andy, you did a great job at the Easter Friday Good Friday service, oh, yeah. but uh, I slept through it." <laughs> Greg, hmm. that's good. Thanks hmm. for that. That's yeah, good. Thank you for that. Hmm. They're like best nap I've had in a long time in church. <laughs> Honestly, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. I slept through it. Hey, Talk joining really me around the, that. joining me around the table today. You've heard them all speak already. So what's the point in introducing them? Their names are Paul Siemens. Good morning. Andy Steiger. I'm here. Reverend Dr. Jeff Bucknam. D- yeah, right reverend. Right, re- sorry, right reverend Dr. Jeff. Honorable right reverend? Is there an honorable in we, that? We might as well throw an honorable in it. Sure. Might as well. It doesn't hurt. It's not like it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so we have found a new site that we all are enjoying it very, very much right now. It's called the Babylon Bee. It, it is a satire... Uh, directed towards news in in general, but more so Christian subculture uh, ideas and things of the like. So, an example is what's the address of this of this site? Uh, Babylonb.com. So, one that we were just looking up and laughing over a little bit earlier was the fact that March twenty third they, they wrote that Woody Church signs sparks revivals. Um, and that the, makes me laugh every time, by the way. And the sign says that sunscreen, as it, in the sun of it, God, prevents sin burn. <laughs> <laughs> and the article goes on to talk about how this church sign sparked a revival in the town. Do you know what that makes me laugh? Is every day when I'm I'm driving around Abbotsford, you can't help but see these signs. They're they're everywhere. There's some so, of them that I don't have any idea what what they what they're about. I I understand so like that one because it's a play on whatever words. Yeah, thank you. But the the other ones are really awkward. They're super they, awkward. Well, they end up saying like visualize visualize. Uh, excellence leads to godly <laughs> virtue. It's well, right, now, what? right now there's an Easter one. It's still up. Nice. It'll be up for a it's while always yet. It's good when yeah. you have the Easter up <laughs> a couple weeks afterwards. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question. Why don't we do one ourselves? Because they're awful. Come on. It'd be kind of... Come on. They're brutal. They are absolutely brutal. Do you, think- you know there's probably a book of church signs. Oh, there's Did you- sure. I have. I have that book. Did you know that God answers an email? <laughs> Is this one of them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to do. I'm going to start emailing God. Go no, on. no, emailing. Email. Oh, oh now mercy. you got it. Now you got it. See, it was even better than what you thought. No, it's even worse. That is terrible. 
No, hey, it's right. So uh, I should start by saying, hey, if you have any questions, Matt Pucci is telling me I need to uh, tell you to send your questions. Extra at northu.org. We'd love to go over them. Uh, I have a question for you guys, though. Um, so we we have fun at some things, and we make jokes and mocking things a little bit is commonplace among us. Some more than others, Greg. So what is the value of things like sarcasm and satire for the Christian? Or or maybe we can make it more broad and talk about humor, right? <clears throat> April Fool's Day stuff. What's the value of, of humor in general and maybe satire in particular for a Christian? So can we do, let's just deal with the satire and sarcasm. Sure, bit. let's do it. And the reason, because everyone's going to value humor because it's one of God's good gifts right? We'd say it's a common grace that we laugh at things. What we laugh at <coughs> is interesting. And so I get, because I'm sarcastic and I love satire, uh, there are those who have said to me, oh, that's not a godly form of, uh, uh, of humor. I, and so here's my, here's my defense. In those who are listening, you can crit- critique me if you like. It's fine. I'll just mock you. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I won't. Um, I'm I'm going to I'm going to argue that satire is probably one of the most appropriate forms of humor in the fallen world, and the reason is because we we the problem the fundamental problem with people is that we're rebels of against God and our rebellion has taken a turn toward idolatry of of the individual of me like I view myself way more highly than I ought. Okay, that's why I've rebelled against God. I think I can go my own way. I think there was a problem with Adam and Eve. I think that's a problem with now. So my idolatry takes the form of me, especially in the Western world, right? My goal is to self-actualize in the Western world. I think the only, not the only, but one of the most appropriate ways for us to deal with that in, in, the, in the modern world is to make fun of, the, of ourselves and each other and to point out uh, how silly we are. Um, there is a way you can use sarcasm, of course, in a cutting way, which is not helpful at all, where where you actually mean one thing, and you're trying to make a point to someone, right, you, you, but you don't have the courage to actually tell them straight up. I don't think sarcasm used in that way is ever justifiable. We should never, we should never do that, because I think it's a cutting, I'm just trying to put you down because I'm... I actually want to tell you that that the way you treated me was poor, but I I don't have courage to tell you that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make fun of it as much as I can, so that maybe you'll get the hint type thing. That's that's dumb. Making fun of stuff like Babylon B does though, just takes it takes the 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 stick out of people of us, the way that we view ourselves and how serious we are all the time. There's a value to not taking yourself too seriously. In the fallen world, absolutely recognizes that I'm a fallen person who who makes all sorts of silly mistakes, but also thinks of himself way more highly than he ought. Mm-hmm. And so it's good for my friends to tease me and to make fun of my idiosyncrasies or whatever. They're usually, most of my friends are doing it in good fun and jest, and it reminds me that, yeah, I don't have it all together. Right? Anyway, mm-hmm. you can you can challenge that that take I just had, but I'm, I'm going to stand by it, I think. Challenge away. Go. No, I, I, can't, I can't challenge that. I, I totally agree. I think that 
we tend to uh, we tend to put ourselves or we tend to hold ourselves too seriously. Even even not necessarily myself, but the, I'll hold uh, Christianity, uh, which is obviously you can't take your Christianity too seriously, I guess. But the but, Christian subculture, but you can't yes, take too exactly. seriously. That's the point right. that we're making, right? And so, like uh, when you have this, on, if you go on the Babylon Bee and you see this headline that says "Youth Pastor Retires from Loving on People," <laughs> I mean, you if you've been a part of a youth group or even maybe not even a youth group, maybe just a church over the last ten years, you've heard somebody say, "Just go out and love on people," and and then they use that phrase over and over. Right. So you you see a headline like that, and it and just makes goofy. you laugh. And oh, it's totally, goofy. Totally. The way that we use the language is goofy. Totally, we use it way too much. I've, I, you know, it. The way that people use language in the Christian subculture nowadays, you, 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 you know, it's not, it's not a Bible study group or a, a small group or a community group. It's a missional. It's a missional. What was your? You, you've been part of churches before that do missional community. What are they called? Missional yeah, sure. community groups. Missional communities. Yeah. What? Is that, you know, I'm not saying they're the yeah. same things as a mm-hmm. lot of others, but people, as the small group, but people will use a different label to right. try to make it sound like it's a little bit more, you know, adventurous and different than all that's come before. Rather when, than a care group. When the truth is, it actually is the right. same thing. You're yeah. just trying to make it sound really nifty. Mm-hmm. So making fun of that kind of thing is great. Yep. It is. We make fun of uh, the claim oftentimes among some of our peers for for dominionism, which is the belief that the church is going to um, going to uh, Greg help me here. They were they're, they're gonna yeah, so domin- take over the world in some remarkable way, which by the way is is not what we should expect in the present age of the church. The wheat and weeds grow together. When Jesus returns, he will bring full consummation to his kingdom. In the meantime, we give testimony to the king. Uh, just like a good herald does, but we don't expect that king to go and take over all communi- whole communities. Mm. He might, and we mm. pray and praise God if he does. But the truth is, we should shouldn't expect it. Read First Peter. It doesn't. It's not going to happen that way. But people claim dominion. Oh, we're going to have dominion. They repeat it over and over again. So we make fun of that, mm. don't we? I do. Greg and I do. I do. Too much. I do. <laughs> this is the problem when, with Jeff and I sitting across from each other. Is we see these little articles and and then we get going on some right, but what we're and, what we're teasing is is the overstatement of our own abilities of our importance in the world of our view. Uh, that's why we put new flashy words with stuff like missional, and it's fine if you're going to use use it. But when it becomes overused, then it's total grounds for for mockery because it. Come on, everybody! It's you know, just a, too serious. A good example of this is one of their articles. Is uh, it's, this is the title? In lieu of sermon, Paul Washer glares at congregations for forty three straight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and in the article, at one point, he says, "You, you know, this guy says, you know, I was like at the twenty three mark." He said, "I." He turned and he had this different stare, and I, I we- you know, I wept. And <laughs> which is making fun of Paul Washer, who's a very gifted communicator, remarkably gifted communicator, but also like, like really serious and really on every point, and that's great it, for him to do that. But making fun of it is is to say that you know he's not. He's not the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, mm. and he's not perfect. And he, there are people who will walk around and talk about John Piper or Paul mm. Washer or mm. uh, John MacArthur or I mean, fill, fill, 
fit in your favorite superstar preacher as if they are the greatest thing ever. So we mm. should make fun of that because, of course, they're not. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's actually a good transition, I think, into another topic. And that would be, what about this? And I've brought it up before. You know, we do have this kind of guru culture in our Christianity in, in Christian subculture where we we have certain individuals we look highly upon and and at times we watch as these people that we put on pedestals fall mm. uh, one of those being Mark Driscoll and tell people who he is yeah Mark Driscoll was uh, a pastor in the Seattle area he at one point what did they have like five church five churches going there for a while oh, like 13 14 15 across three states Four states. Okay, so bigger than I thought. Around ten thousand people, like I believe. Mm-hmm. Arizona, Oregon, California, Washington, Washington. New Mexico. New and Mexico, for those who don't know, uh, he had an elder board that was made up of a few people that were all over the state, all over. Well, a little clarification: he had two yeah. two boards. Uh, Marcel had a had a group of local elders. Okay, I didn't know they had a local yeah, elder. And then they had a group called the Board of Account Advisory and Accountability. Accountability and Advisory, I can't remember. B O A A was the acronym. And they were the, they were that was a group of uh larger like national recognized pastors and others who gave some level of direction to the church in in that regard. They met together not more infrequently. But then you had the elder board on the ground. But the, there was this level above the elder board, the local elder board, that was executing some kind of authority there. Now, long story short, uh, the the church pretty much imploded. Uh, really surprised a lot of people. Um, instead of you know Driscoll just stepping out, really <clears throat> just disbanded Mars Hill, which was the name of the church entirely, to the point now that it does not exist. No, they broke into. I think there are six or seven remaining. Uh, independent congregations. <laughs> One's called Doxa. It's in uh, in Seattle or in Bellevue. So they all changed their name. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They all they all changed their names. I mean, we should clarify too that the reason that the church, from what we know, that's public record, the reason that uh, there were some criticisms of Mark was had to do with his leadership style and some of the claims of former pastors and other elders who had been uh, in their in their opinion run over by Mark in a very uh, kind of a dictatorial leadership style, what they, what they accused him of. Yeah. And um, those still have not been sorted out quite as much. Uh, the, to, the, to their liking, I don't know if, from Mark Driscoll's point of view if he would say, say that, but to the, peop- the people who are making the accusations, they, they, it hasn't been sorted out to their liking. He did use <clears throat> church money to um, pay for... Uh, a promotion of his book on marriage, in order for it to be become one of the New York Times bestsellers, uh, there were some. They communicated that they were going to be raising money for a global fund that was going to be giving money to church plants all around the world. But that money got mixed together with church planting in the states and also some of Mars Hill's like general fund, like stuff that they'd use for their. So there's some question. That, that gets into areas of fraud. So mm-hmm. there are some people actually who've brought lawsuits against him since uh, claiming fraud. I don't actually know where those are are right now. <clears throat> anyway, the board, the elder board of Mars Hill uh, said to him, uh, you, you need to repent of some a number of these things, and we're going to put you through a, a, a restoration 
uh, area. Mark said uh, he actually expressed in a subsequent public appearance where he said that he the Lord told him that it was a trap, and so he left and has now. And that, yeah, this is why I bring it up is he moved to uh, Arizona, and this was. Uh, from what I understand, one area where the church plant was doing well, and he still seemed to be uh, liked in that area. And so he he started a website where he kind of started a church uh, on the web, um, from what I could tell. And now he's just launching a physical church there in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Their first gathering was on, uh, it's called Trinity Church, and the first gathering was on Easter, I think. But I think that that was just sort of a soft launch thing. I don't Mm. know if they're still gathering every week. They're meeting in a spaceship-looking church right off the freeway down there in Scottsdale, Arizona now. So he, he, has, he, he was gone for like a year or whatever, and then he's come back, having not dealt sufficiently in the minds of many with the accusations that had been brought against him. Well, that's my question. For you. What do you think, Jeff, uh, and the rest of you guys? Like, should he, should he be starting in a church? Should he still be pastoring? He should sort out the issues that he had in this previous church. Um, it's troubling for me as a pastor to see another pastor who had such a bad track record of leadership uh, and some accusations, even, even of an immoral nature, having to do even with greed and, and, and other things like that, having not sorted those things out with those who've made accusation. Now, I only say that uh, recognizing, like, I have a lot of time for Mark Driscoll. I actually think, I mean, I have a lot of time for him. Uh, I think he's often misunderstood by a lot of people. Um, And uh, as somebody who's been in leadership of churches, there are a lot of people who can go out and write things on the internet that aren't totally true. So I don't really know what to make of all of it. It's just the sheer number of people who've written about it. Actually, some people I know Mm -hmm. and who... Um, who actually I, I I grew up with and I trust have have made some statements that are like yeah actually he he really needs to clarify this so the question that we should be asking is does he qualify biblically as an elder because I think one of the things that we would all agree upon clearly is that there is room for grace and seeing people being reconciled and brought back into right relationship and seeing leaders restored and continuing to serve God in that way. And I think what you're getting at, Jeff, is, you know, has he done what's necessary to see that reconciliation take place, that he could continue to lead in good standing, particularly with the qualifications that we might find in uh, Timothy or Titus? Right. So there's the question that we're asking. It's not a just, a, hey, what's Paul's opinion on Mark Driscoll, mm-hmm. and should he be a pastor of a church? The question ultimately is that we, ha- we, have, a, we have a standard, like a minimum requirement in the scriptures of pastors and elders in a local church. And so he, here's a guy who's, who wants to be a teaching elder <clears throat> in the church, and the question you have to ask is, does he meet the qualification based upon all that is known? And again, we only know some of the public pieces, but based on what we know, does, does he fit the qualification? And the qualifications in a place like 1 Timothy 3 are not... Um, they're not qualifications that are asking, like, how do you feel in your heart? They're actually observable traits. So, like, Greg's got it open here, and he can read the text. And maybe, you know, just just think to yourself, uh, they're, obs- they're observable traits. The, mm-hmm. the word, it is necessary for a pastor, for an elder to have these qualifications, is there, the little Greek word, day. And that means, I mean, it's not saying, oh... Let, 
the person who's going to be an elder should strive for these things. No, it's it's necessary. It's it's imperative that they actually have this. This is the bottom hurdle that they need to mm-hmm. get over. Right. So First Timothy three says uh, an elder must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? This is, this is what makes Driscoll interesting, I think, is that he hasn't broken the typical ones. He, you know, he here's has a, here's, kept one Here's wife. a few more. Here's oh, a few more. Sorry. He must not be a recent convert, he, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. Like I'm, I'm, Andy, go ahead. Yeah, so what I was saying is normally what we see with a leader is they, they don't hold to the one wife thing or they, they have an affair, you know, there's a sexual issue that, that's gone on. We don't have that with Mark. Uh, what we have instead is some of the ones that you don't necessarily see. Quarrelsome, Quarrelsome yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, highly viewed by outsiders, uh, above, Gentle. Rep- above reproach, which is a kind of catch-all term, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the way that he's used the church's money and, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of them that sober-minded, um, <clears throat> you so, know? So what's the point in which... Temperate. Is, is there a way where restoration can occur, where someone's, someone has been marked by not holding these qualities, but over time have actually grown in them? Every elder who's an elder is at one point in their life not displayed these qualities and been... Um, not qualified to be an elder. Now, what I mean by that is, like, when you're 27 years old, uh, you you probably were quarrelsome and probably were, you know what I mean? So, and I, this is not talking about, like, the odd occasion where you get in a fight with someone. Oh, can't be an elder. It, it's saying, what what is the pattern of the life, mm-hmm. right? So, in other words, is that the language of a husband of one wife is probably talking more of a sexual nature. Like, do you have, the language actually is a one-woman man. Right. Like, can we can we write over your life that you have the character trait of you know only eyes for her? That doesn't mean that you've never lusted in your life. Mm-hmm. That just means that that are you committed to only her? And it, does the does the massive pattern of your life display a a consistent sexual uh, commitment to your spouse? Because when I when I was growing up in Portland, we all knew Mark as the the cursing pastor, right? Because Donald uh, what's Miller had written about him in Blue Like Jazz about right. a, as such. The quite the I mean, I think that the the thing that we're str- I'm struggling with is I'm not sure I would write over what I know of him, and I actually know quite a bit more than I'm I'm letting on. I don't know if I would write over his life, uh, you know, not quarrelsome <laughs> or. Or uh, you know above above reproach in these areas. I'm not saying that he can't be. I'm absolutely saying that. But you, before you appoint somebody as an elder of a church, there needs to be a track record of that kind of those kinds of character traits in their lives. And uh, it's it's very it's very difficult to. It, there shouldn't be a moment where you're like, oh, I don't know. And it's funny is I've actually heard Mark Driscoll talk about First Timothy chapter three in 2004. Is it a small conference with people, and he was sharing all of these things. And so I'm not saying anything that he would disagree about. It's just that right. he's not totally applying them necessarily to himself in these areas. Right. Is, and as, is, as people, oh. we, tend to, we tend to elevate people. Like, so 
Mark clearly has a gift for teaching. And that was something that all of his church would have said before. And so he's apt to teach, as First Timothy says. But we tend to elevate people. We say, okay, he's, look at, man, listen to that guy communicate. Listen to that guy teach. And look so, at how many people are coming to his church. Yeah, and look at that. So we can, it's okay that he's a little bit quarrelsome. It's okay that, that all these other things right. are happening. All these because all these good things man, are happening for the him. kingdom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. And then... And then we get what happens. I mean, you get a quarrelsome guy who causes arguments, causes fights within his own church, alienates people left, right, and center, and then all of a sudden uh, he has to leave uh, because he he refuses basically to take the level of correction that the elder board is demanding of him. So can I can I remove this from him and say that this is? A, it seems to me that this is a big problem in the in the Christian church in general. Yes, the the absolutely. propensity towards celebrity, mm-hmm. and then. It's not just the celebrity. It's the it's the thing that I, I I love, you know. Pick your pick your pastor. I love. Let's call the pastor Joe. I love Joe. Oh, Joe, so Joe. He's so Joe. Now Joe's got failings, and I might see those failings, but I'm I don't look at them ever, and I'm, I'm not concerned about them at all because of the quality and power of Joe's ministry and blah blah blah. We do this doctrinally. So Joe might hold to a lot of really good beliefs, and then in an area like 25% of what he believes is actually wonky, but we give it a pass because we say, but Joe's so good in this other 75%, and look at how many people are at his church, and he's my favorite person to listen to. Um, we do it also with character, right? So 75% meets like three-quarters of the qualifications for elder, but you know, quarrelsome, or maybe not the husband and one wife, or maybe you know, like these other areas, and so we give it a pass, and it kills the church. Ultimately, the church churches get devastated by cutting corners on these matters. Mm-hmm. One of the things that concerns me along those lines is when you've got a pastor like Driscoll, and we see this with other others. We see this, uh, you know, you see this a lot where somebody's really gifted at something, and, and Mark is a great communicator, a great teacher. And because he's so good at that, we'll just give him a pass on these other things. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, again, not to say that a guy like this can't be uh, reconciled to people. He can't be brought back into a place where he is allowed to teach. But what we're seeing uh, in this particular case is, is somebody who apparently, according to the other people involved, hasn't uh, reconciled those relationships. He hasn't. Yeah, think how great it would have been had he reconciled these relationships, oh. sort tried his best for a couple of years to sort some of the stuff out, uh, had basically done done all that work, and mm-hmm. then had gone a few years later to plant this church and right. you, you know showing a track record of that kind of repentance yeah. and attitude. Right, and so like uh, how you can contrast contrast Driscoll with Tullian to Vigin right now. Yeah, Tullian was caught in. Well, he wasn't caught. He. He, uh, his marriage failed. His wife uh, had adultery on him, and he went and had a, basically a revenge affair on her. Uh, everybody found out the, he ended up resigning from his leadership, and uh, then they ended up getting divorced. And so what is, what's he done? He's not still traveling the speaking circuit, trying to find places that will accept him. No, he's, he's gone to a place. He's, he's working at a church in a, in a very advisory kind of administrative role, basically. And these people are, um, they're trying to restore him to a place where uh, where so, he could use his gifts again. But but is that, 
So, so right. Here, so here's, a, here's the thing: when we're talking one woman man, is there an is there a time when where somebody actually goes to the point where they're unrestorable to an elder? Perhaps um, I need to but go clarify. Ahead. Well, Tully mm-hmm. Chavijan has been released from the church because he did not convey all the information. He, this has happened in the last couple of weeks that he didn't convey to his new church all the information about his previous oh, life. Oh, this a is a new okay. So wow. But here's it's a good example because yeah. here's a guy actually if you read about it who's like no I, that's part of this new church's restoration they've released him and said look we've been trying to work with him we're trying to do these sorts of things and there's mm-hmm. a lot of work that needs to be done before he's actually put in a position where he's working in a local church again and he's he's actually recognized that yeah that's absolutely right and yep. that uh, restoration and repentance is a long term deal yeah. And that working in God's church is a privilege, and it's something that you know you don't you don't take like lightly. And so right. he's he's receiving the correction yeah. from now two different churches. Mm-hmm. And yes, he has hurt several, and and I'm sure there are lots of opinions about Talinchevijin yeah. in lots of different ways. But yeah. it is a different approach to what Mark did, which was run, right? Right? They're wrong. God told me it was a trap. Right. Uh, you know, and and so I'm out of here. Yeah. And you know, Arizona's nicer than Seattle this time of year, so I'm going to go and plant a church down here. And I'm guaranteed there are a lot of people going to go to his church. Mm-hmm. There are lots and lots of people who are going to go to his church. And I'm not in any way suggesting that God can't do great things through that church. I pray that he would, but ultimately, I pray that God would help Mark mm-hmm. to 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 grow and learn and. These sorts of things. Yeah. I, I wish we didn't have to know about all this stuff, mm. ultimately. Totally. I get asked about it r- frequently. Mm. In fact, we, we had a listener uh, write in about it. That's why we're addressing the question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. One more subject. From that one to... Jeff, you have something to ask us, too. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Self-promotion. You, oh. So, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, I was watching the NCAA tournament. Uh, basketball tournament. Which you, you, I mean, we're 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 recording this the day after the final game in the NCAA tournament, which might have been one of the best final games ever. A few hmm. years ago, Duke played. Uh, who did they play? Little tiny team, Butler, and Butler had a last second chance, and it banked. The guy threw it from half court, and it it hit the backboard and hit the rim and went off. Right, hmm. and it would have been the best finish to any game. And Duke won that game, but this this year, which is always bad if Duke wins, Villan- Villanova <laughs> actually came. North Carolina came back, hit hit a crazy three point shot to tie it, and then Villanova came down the other end with four seconds left and hit a kid hit the shot of his life in stride to win the national title in the U.S. And it's like, what were there seventy, eighty thousand people in this in this mm, arena yeah. in Texas, and just going crazy. It was great. You can even see Michael Jordan was sitting there in right, the front. Right, right. I mean, everybody's watching. The pressure is on. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, the ratings for this show are crazy. They're so high. So so after this guy hits the shot, he kind of is a little bit stunned. He puts his hands in the air, and he, and he of course you would, right? I would probably run over to the scores table, stand on it, and start pumping my fist. I was so excited. But what was interesting to me is over the next, like, 10 minutes – Afterwards, it hmm. it was him raising his hands to every part of the crowd and pounding his chest and talking even to the media about how great he was and how great the shot mm. was and how amazing I am because, which got me thinking, okay, this is this is kind of a new thing. I remember when I was a kid that it was a high highly valued thing for for sportsmen and women 
to be humble after they win. In fact, in England today, it still is. So if you're a soccer player and you win, if you start talking too much about yourself and how great you are, uh, you know what? We're not going to like you very much at all. But now, there in, in the States anyway, there's sort of this attitude among millennial sportsmen and sportswomen that it's not just enough for me to win the thing. I got to win the thing and then I got to tell you about how I won the thing and how how great that proves that I am about winning the thing. And so I'm trying to figure I I just I'm making the 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 observation and I'm asking you guys the question, how should we as as Christian people respond to that kind of uh the, the word is hubris. Mm. That that kind of what does uh, that mean? Means arrogant. Mm. Uh, I perceive it to be arrogance. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we, it's a live debate. A guy named Bryce Harper, who's a baseball player for Washington, the Washington Nationals, has been arguing that they should be. I mean, a baseball players should be able to kind of once they hit a home run, flip their bat at the opposite uh, opposite dugout and pump their chest and kind of show the other team up after they do it, which is sort of the same idea. And that's what people want to see, and I hear pundits say that all the time. So I'm just trying to figure out: is that is that what people want to see? Um, as you, Christian people, what do we tell our kids? Right? Is it okay for my kid to hit a home run, flip the bat, and and start kind of trotting around the bases, kind of in a look at me, or in football to just blow someone up and stand o- stand over them and be like you know, or dunk on their heads and Cross them up in a in a in a dribble. What about the touchdown basketball? dance? Touchdown yeah. dance in, the, in there. Well, is because because that's the thing that would be one of my pushbacks is that it seems like there's this balance between celebrating and you know over and celebrating a, in a way so, that shows up the opponent. But yeah. But the other thing is that celebrations of these kinds of things, uh, whether it was a touchdown or or uh, you win a game or whatever, it used to be the team all together. Uh, celebrating that they won together. Everybody's happy. But now you see people like individually, like you said, pounding his chest, having this angry look on his face, dropping F-bombs. Maybe this guy didn't, but I know the Boston Celtics a few years ago when they won the championship. Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, just F-bomb everywhere. Well, look, more local. Richard Sermon standing, who Mm. I like a lot, but going into the microphone and say, you want to cover me with a sorry uh, receiver like Crabtree? Right. You know, this is what you're going to yeah. get. And check me out. I'm the best that ever was. Really? <laughs> yeah. Ever? Right. And then people responded with like, oh, they were un- uneasy with what they were mm. supposed to do with this. Cause, and there were a lot of people who were debating, hey, this is the new way and we just need to get on board with it. Mm. Should we? I don't think so. And should we cheer? I don't know. Just not sure what to do with the cheering yeah. for that kind of thing. See, cause I, I have to confess, I was disappointed when the NFL took away the, the dance. Oh, you can dance. The touchdown dance. You can dance, buddy, if you want to. You can I, leave your friends behind. Because if your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, then they're no friends of mine. <laughs> well done. That's terrible, actually. That was good. That was w- were any of you disappointed, though, like that they took away and the touchdown dance? Do you know what dance? I'm referring to when I, I just do. said all that? I do. Okay. I, I, did you notice how I ignored it? No. He's not a millennial. <laughs> he just wants to act like a millennial. So, Andy, you're you're wanting to leave space for the celebration, the individual celebration. I am willing to leave some it. space to it. Yeah, without it demeaning the other team or the person. Yeah, I think that it far too easily goes overboard to demean the other team. And the well, other and I person. guess that's it's what the NFL decided, right? Is it's going? But Andy, what about like the NBA? You get a guy that goes and does a dunk, and uh, <laughs> it's a big dunk. 
and he he walks away just like with this massive angry face just like yeah just like he is so tough nobody can stop him and he just has this you know it just right. has that demeanor back i mean you watch back in the days when when uh Dude, like bird and yeah. and magic i mean they'd hit a three and they wouldn't have this they might like look at their team, their opponent, and go like, "Yeah, can you cover me?" Or like they might trash talk or whatever, but they don't put on this. I don't know. See, just, just I, that look, that ang- that. I I I think. Go ahead. It, sure, it's it's more so now, but I mean, you watch clips of the old, some of those older games too, and they're similar things. I, I don't. I think it's a human nature thing more than a, I think it's heightened in our Twitter age and social media and all that. That's that's fair, but I, I think oh. it's a. Instagram it's a, it's a has bigger made it, like issue. Vine and Instagram have made it big. Totally. That's, that's, I mean, the, these are, inst- what do you put on Instagram? Like my son follows all sorts of sports teams and other websites and all they are are the big hits and the guy who hits the three and starts rubbing it in the face of everybody else. Yeah. I'm just, I think what I'm trying to say is that what this does for a, a culture at large, because sports really are uh, right. not, not just an expression of our culture. They also have a formative effect, the way our sports and our stars, our celebrities end mm-hmm. up acting, has a mm-hmm. formative effect on our culture. And it almost gives permission for people to be like all up themselves about how great am I and amazing. And you can almost have one of them win the presidency of the United States. I know. <laughs> well, this is kind of why I'm asking is that what, what, what he, Donald Trump is an example of, of what happens in a society that values this above yeah. all other things, right? We're sick yeah. and tired of the humble, you know, person who's like, think about it. Jimmy Carter would never win the presidency of the United States today because he's way too humble and shy and kind. And he's a nice guy. George W. Bush, George Sr. Bush, whatever, George H. W. Bush probably wouldn't win because he's just too kind of elder statesman-y. But like, there are there's a huge group of people who think that Donald Trump is the bomb. Is that a thing anymore by the way? What I just said. Sure. I think it's the bomb. <laughs> da, okay. <laughs> I think the same people who are voting for Trump say things like the bomb. bomb. <laughs> totally. So you're speaking yeah. their language. I'm not sure that they use it in the same way I just did. <laughs> but uh Wow. <laughs> you know, we we live in a selfie culture, right? And yeah. so with, without question, the idea of self-promotion is, is in our culture today is kind of become the norm. I just think that Christians need to be the kind of people who, this is a point at which I think we need to fight back against it in real ways. Yeah. So if you have kids who are in sports, mm. I think you and I need to be instructing them that there is a way to act and it is not to go with the flow here mm-hmm. and act like you're all that. You, 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 you glorify your teammates. You don't demean the opposition. You can be you can be a gentleman or a lady. I mean, I don't I don't want to use the Victorian language, but in the sense that you can be a good winner and a good loser, and you can be you know kind and considerate and honoring to other people, and recognize that sports needs to be put in its proper category. It's not. It doesn't. The, your ability to throw a ball fast or throw it through a hoop <laughs> or run a little quicker than somebody else does not define your you know surpassing excellence in our world would you think then that social media in many ways has kind of put average joe into the place that the superstar used to be where they were in millions of people's faces and now anyone can be in you know a couple hundred people's you know faces on social media quite mm-hmm. easily or even more than that and and promotes this kind of this kind of narcissistic oh totally idea well, of ourselves so i'll give you this really quick example um 
so in basketball, the goal the goal in basketball, Andy, just so you know, <laughs> is to <laughs> score. So you take the ball, and the ball actually needs to go through the hoop into the net and through. That makes sense. You get points for this. <laughs> At the end of the game, they tally up the points, and whoever has more will win the game. Um, if you watch, though, on, on YouTube or um, on Instagram or whatever, uh, somebody who scores a basket, like a layup or a jump shot, will not be celebrated anywhere near as much as somebody who breaks the ankles of his opponent. And by that, I mean if you're a point mm. guard and you dribble one way and then you reverse really quickly the other way and the guy who's defending you trips over himself and goes the one way and you beat him, like the whole gym erupts because you've made this guy look like a fool, right? So th- these guys will do this. They'll break the ankles of their competitor and then they'll shoot the ball and brick it. But everyone will celebrate and they'll put, on, uh, they'll put it on, on YouTube. Look what this guy, he broke the ankles of the other guy and he missed the shot. What is, who cares whether he does this? And they celebrate and they go crazy. My point is that we've gotten to the point as a culture where we mm. celebrate the demeaning of other people as the, as the goal sometimes of sports as opposed to the actual reason why you're playing the sport. Right, mm-hmm. it so I blow that guy up in football right. or in baseball. You know, I hit I hit a good some guy who hits a single now is freaking out about it when he's you know <laughs> and the, you're like you hit a single congratulations. Anyway, I'm this is kind of a rant. Oh yeah, that's no, good because I mean like so there's a famous there's a famous uh, play that Michael Jordan did back in I think the '97 Finals against the Jazz. And he did a crossover move against Brian Russell. Uh-huh. It disturbed remember that? me that you know he this. did. I pushed, remember funny and he, details. And he pushed off, and Brian Russell falls to the side <laughs> like a yeah. He totally pushed. He off. pushed yeah. off. Right, but if Jordan missed that shot, the, the, we aren't even talking about it. No, but th- these days, now guys, uh, they aren't even making the shot, and people are like, oh, look yeah, at that. he's so, so good. Look how good he yeah. is at breaking ankles because you get points for that knot. Okay, do you yeah. hear what I did with that knot? You can Poochie like that? <laughs> Not. <laughs> you can send in <laughs> your questions for the extra podcast. You can send in if you think these guys are just sounding like guys getting older. What? What are you talking about, Greg? You know, kids these days, back when I watched sports, it was way better because Michael Jordan, blah, <laughs> yeah, blah, Yeah, because Larry Bird never, ever <laughs> trash-talked anyone. <laughs> Larry Bird is a saint. <laughs> He's a saint. <laughs> I like these Kobe Bryant and all those. <laughs> he's 38. Even Kobe's old, dude. <laughs> no, he's a he's youngster. <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, if you liked our ranting, then you'll love next week's episode because there will be more of it. Uh, but if you want to find out what we rant about or if you want to be a part of that process, if you want to guide extra, this conversation in any way, you should probably write some questions Email in. extra at northview.org. We'll ask your questions when we're able to thanks for listening guys thanks for participating and giving your insights and uh, go local sports team go oh you can dance you can dance if you want to you can leave your friends behind because if your friends don't dance and if they don't dance then they're no friends of mine